Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, I have Dan Plowman here. He is a realtor. He's a leader, an extraordinary person. Dan, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. So what's that line? What's a nice boy like you doing in an industry like this? <laughs> 32 years. 32 years. And uh, I think it's the best business in the world. I mean, it is glorious in so many ways because ultimately at the end of the day, I'm not sure if we call it the Canadian dream here, but certainly the phrase, the American dream is home ownership. And it just changes your relationship with the world when you have a home. It changes your wealth. It changes your mindset. It builds community. And miraculous, you get to help people do that. I, I agree. I do believe in, in North America and actually a lot of the world. It's certainly the dream for most to, uh, to have a home, own your own home. Without question, it's very, very much up there. And with financing and rates the way they've been and the way things have gone through the roof is another story. But uh, home, home ownership has become attainable. Uh, maybe not so much the last three or four years for people with price increases, but prior to that, uh, with interest rates as low as they've been, yes, it's, it's been a very much, a, very much a, an attainable dream for uh, people coming new to the country and people that, you know, have been here for years and their kids as well. I think it's getting more difficult with the, with things the way they've gone, but that's another story, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll kind of delve into that. So how many years were you a solo operator, just Dan out there helping people before you decided to build a team? A good 10 or 12 uh, on my own. And then I dabbled with trying to bring people into work with me for me is what I call it then. You're working for me, my assistant. It was all ego driven without any specific systems that were to their benefit because it took me a while to realize it wasn't about me. It was about them. And uh, once I, I'd done that, developed systems for them that, that you know, developed a, a better platform for a licensed realtor to, uh, to make money on without risk or without um, expenses. In other words, a true platform that was better than that of which traditional real estate offered. Until I produced that, provided that, uh, retention was null and void. People were coming and going, coming and going. So, and that's one of the reasons, the big reasons why we retain and keep our partners as long as we do. Brilliant. I was chatting with this uh, industry leader in, uh, in Maryland, uh, in the US, the state of Maryland. And she was telling me a story that uh, her husband had gone to college to study real estate. And it was like a long program and he came out of it and he says, hey, honey, this weekend, don't make any plans. I'm going to be hitting the books because I've got my exam on Monday. And hey, little lady, you know, if you want, you can uh, study the exam too because you don't have to go to college like I did and you could give it a shot. Guess who passed the exam on Monday and who didn't? Yeah, I'm not and surprised. And the reason I bring it up is that she passed, he did not oh. pass. And then three months later, he ran away with her best friend and left her with two kids. And she was a, she was a school teacher and say, hey, I need more income to support my kids. I'm going to become a realtor. 
And the first six months of real estate, it was all about, oh my God, my husband left me and I, this is a new industry. It was not about the customer. And then her boss basically said, look, this is not an industry for you, but I don't want to abandon you. What I'm going to do is give you an assessment, what career you're best suited for. And the results come back and the career is real estate. So he gives her one more shot. And on the second time around, she realizes it's not about me. It's not about my sad story. It's about the customer. And the reason I share that story with you is this, is that she became one of the first women in the state of Maryland to actually make a million dollars. Nice. Because it was all about the customer. And it's so hard to let go of that because we're trained, no matter what your profession is, you know, it's all about me and it's about my greatness and my experience when true leadership is about how can I serve you to bring the best performance out of you? And so how did you learn that lesson? Like what was the tipping point where you went from, it's not about Dan, it's about how can I empower other people? Well, as you tell that story, I can't help but think back to the large corporate uh, brand that I had attached myself to for my my first really 23 years, 22 years in the business. And the first 12, for sure, uh, I was very much driven by, you know, the accolades, the trophies every year, look at me across the stage, look what I got. And, you know, uh, always thinking, where's my next deal going to come from? Or, or my next my next commission, you know? And the, I think, I, I, when, as you told that story, I thought about the pivotal moment for me was about that 10, 12 year mark. And I realized this stuff doesn't matter. I mean, they were piling up. I was doing very well. Rookie of the year, my first year, I'd moved through all the awards at this point. And I think there was one or two more attainable that we did knock it out of the park very quickly, I might add, once my mindset had changed and shifted from, and I remember it very well, uh, all about me to, it doesn't matter if I can make the systems that are best for the client to best serve the client. And now I was entering into a world of two clients. One was my partners, people I was bringing on the team. And of course, I still had my clients that we served in the, in the market, in the industry, which we still do now. We sell a house each and every day here. So as I shifted my thoughts, it was interesting because I remember a couple of years went by. One year, I didn't even go to the awards banquet. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't care. And you know, a true shift in mindset, different things happen with regards to your, your, your beliefs. Your, I think your integrity changes. And I don't mean I was a bad person by any means, but I mean integral for others as opposed to yourself. That's kind of what I mean. And and that shift, that story that you told brought that story to mind. And I can remember that pivotal shift when it happened for me. But the floodgates that opened, the abundance that happened, my commissions, my uh, my team, the development, I literally doubled my business year upon year for the next two, three, four years in a row after that. It was phenomenal, the growth. And I do believe that we do hold ourselves back because we don't have the right mindset or our minds set in the right place is maybe a better way to say that. Actually, both are brilliant ways to say it. One of the things that came up as you were chatting was this thing I heard. I'm not sure who said it. Somebody totally brilliant. The three stages of man. You believe in Santa Claus. You don't believe in Santa Claus. And then you are Santa Claus. <laughs> and that's what you described. It was like very much, you know, when I realized it's not about me, how do I empower people? And I think really also that insight that these people that work for me actually don't. It's they're another customer base that I need to support. How can I support them in the way that they get what they want 
So I get that, Dan. So here is a trick that a lot of leaders find it difficult to do is you've got this notion, you've got this epiphany, but how do you implant it in the hearts and minds of the people that you have the agents? So it's not just words on a wall that they actually live and breathe it, that they realize that their colleagues and their clients are also customers and how do they serve those? So how did you instill it in the people that you lead? So the first thing I do is I do not go after certain target markets. And by that, I mean realtors who are already making four, five, six hundred thousand a year, realtors who are already have acquired some success and, or maybe have large egos. And I can tell you whether or not they've made four hundred thousand or forty thousand doesn't necessarily mean they have egos or not. I know a lot of people in commission sales who make forty thousand a year and you would think by the way they walked and talked, they made millions. And I'm not saying people that make millions have that either. I'm just saying there's sometimes a lot of ego that goes with this kind of industry. Now, I prefer someone who's been in the business for a year or two that knows how to write the contracts, write the amendments, do all the paperwork, understands that side of it. But for whatever reason, they've struggled. And there are many, many realtors, by the way, who fall in this category, quite Absolutely. a high percentage, quite a high percentage. So my market for people that when I advertise to them that, hey, you know, come come work on our team or check out the team at least, because I can show you how to make six figures with no expenses in the first 12 months. And I make that statement with great confidence because we have systems that allow us to provide that for people where they don't have expenses, which immediately takes a lot of risk off the table for them. And then... To come to the team where we already have momentum, we already have branding, we already have um, a regular flow of clients that come through our systems, we're able to train them up to our standards with buyer presentations, listing presentations, so that when they do get clients, they are experiencing immediate success. One of the biggest problems I think that our industry has is that realtors get a license and they're just thrown into the industry, thrown to the wolves, so to speak. And there's no systems or standards of professionalism. So a lot of realtors actually leave this business more than they advertise. They just open the floodgates so heavy that you'd never know so many are leaving as well. It's interesting because when I started in the business for the first 10, 12 years, I struggled even after my first year when I was making 100 grand a year, which was amazing in 1990, by oh, the yeah, way. Absolutely. But I was struggling. Like, I worked hard. I worked. I spent money to buy to make money as well, which, which so the 100 grand, trust me, was not net money. But my point is I was lucky if I spent you know, 20% of my time on dollar productive activities with clients. So my system actually flips that right on its head. I prefer, we're very heavy on support. I have a lot of support people here on our team for the licensed realtor. So we, our goal is to put realtors in front of clients in dollar productive activities 80% of the time, not 20% of the time. So when you have systems, training, um, stats, uh, buyer presentations, listing presentations that allow people to be that professional at the standards that we hold, uphold, and be in, in front of a dollar productive activity or clients 80% of the time, business is just a natural byproduct. I do believe right now, if you took most realtors who are good with people and were able to put them in front of clients, active, qualified clients 80% of the time, their business would explode. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what makes us very, very different than the rest. So Dan, you've had a lot of people work for you. Can you tell me about one of the people that you had that you could clearly see that this person could be somebody really special, but they themselves could not see it? And how did you get them to see it? And how did you get them to go from, you know, wherever they were to where they ended up? 
Like, how do you do that? Because sometimes, so I'll frame it up. I think we have a financial thermostat inside our heads that dictates how well we do. And if we don't do well enough, whatever kicks in, kicks in and we get to that level. And on the other side, if we go beyond that, oftentimes we will sabotage ourselves so we go back to that safe, comfortable place. So tell me about You're one right. of your realtors that you helped them see that they could do so much more. And once they saw it, how you got them there? Well, I, I, I will say there's, there's a few. There's one story in particular I will tell you. And I, I believe, and I've been told this, that one of my unique abilities is that I have a way of which I can speak to people and inspire them. And I see, I do see things quite often in people and I can inspire them. And sometimes to a detriment, I'll talk people into, come on, you should do this. And then they, they just, it just wasn't for them for whatever reason at that time in their life. So it's backfired on me too. Please don't get me wrong. Right. But in this particular scenario, Dave Irons, who's been on the team now for five, six years, uh, Dave's, Dave comes from the construction renovation background. And he happened at this one particular day before he was a licensed realtor to be uh, installing or helping the guys put up my Christmas lights at my house. And uh, I said, well, do you guys think you'll be done? you know, soon, because I have to go to the Raptors game. He said, oh, I hope so, because I'm going to the Raptors game too. So I said, well, I'll drive you if you'd like. I'm taking my daughter. He was taking his girlfriend. So we got the car, and we got to chat all the way, you know, an hour into the city of Toronto. We're just on the east side of Toronto, the city of Toronto. And before we went in the game, I listened quite a bit. I said, Dave, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any profession or construction or renovations or anything, but your hourly rate, I appreciate what you're making. You're worth so much more if you could work in the realm of your unique ability, which is to interact with people. I get a great feeling when I talk to you, Dave. So we had that chat and I didn't realize the impact of it. He went on his way with his girlfriend at the game. I went, we went on my, on my way with my daughter. Four or five days later, he called me. We had lunch and he said, I haven't slept. <laughs> proceeded, to, proceeded to get his real estate license and the rest is history. Dave just purchased his third property. It's a cottage doing extremely well, one of the one of our top, top uh, partners here on the team, uh, and he's built quite a business. And, and the platform here for the Dan Plowman team allows realtors to build a business inside the business. And Dave embraced that. And as far as income goes, which again, is just a natural byproduct of doing the right things. And I think being where your unique ability can most shine with the right training, when all these things come together, you have great things that can happen. But Dave serves clients well. He understands that, he loves that, and he's integral. So yeah, that's a great story. I think that's the kind of story you're looking for. (laughs) Absolutely. So along any journey, uh, let's take uh, Dave for a moment. There had to be times where he's like, what the frick am I doing here? This is not working out. So, And you've probably had that. So let's talk about you, Dan. Where in your career did you come to that point of so much of a struggle, and instead of giving up, you went on? Can you take us to that point and what kept you going? Yeah, I, I can sure go back without question to, you know, November of 1989, I got my real estate license. I had built a heating and air conditioning company. I was in the HVAC business prior to that. I'm 25 years old now, and I sold that business back then for 40000 bucks, which was a lot of money, uh, to my brother, who was the best mechanic anyway, my older brother. And and that forty grand was being paid to me in pieces monthly, which was good because it helped subsidize the fact that I had no income <laughs> going into real estate. Because even if you sell a house that day, it just goes for three or four months, right? So, And I had, at 25, I had three kids already. So you can imagine, you know, you, this wasn't something I was like, I think I'll try this out. And if it doesn't work out, maybe I'll try something else. This is like, I'm doing this now and I need to make money. In November of 89, I, I came into the business and I remember two weeks after the broker record said, 
Dan, it was almost the day you walked through the door that the market changed. 1990, spring of 1990, flash forward a little bit, interest rates shot up to 16%. People started to hand their keys back to the bank. They were walking away from their homes, didn't have enough equity in the home to pay a realtor, never mind. Even if you did get a listing, there was no commission there. Realtors on our Toronto, our Durham Region Real Estate Board, the membership was about 3,000 at the time. Within 24 short months, had dropped in half. Half the realtors left the business. So the market was tough. How did I make rookie of the year my first year? How did I do it? Yes, there were times that I was absolutely sitting in my office, almost in tears, saying, what have I done? I left a steady income. I sold a business for a song for what it was producing in revenue for me, but I was grateful to be out of it. I wanted to be in this business. The part I loved most about the HVAC business was the sales that I do in the evenings. So I knew I was in the right space. I had just entered this at the worst time, which I think most people feel when they come in this business. Because a lot of people, the majority of people leave this business in the first 24 to 36 months to get a license, or they work other jobs, which means you're really not in the business, are you? So yes, I did go through that. Absolutely. How did I push through? How did I persevere? First of all, I had no other choice. Yep. There was nothing disposable about this for me. This was not something I could try and maybe get a divorce with. Okay. It was not an option for me. So, and, and I think that that in itself creates a mindset of work harder. And I can remember working in the HVAC business 70 hours a week. I think that that transferred over and paid me well. I did my 70-hour work weeks my first five years in the business. I can remember people would do open houses. They'd do an open house on a Saturday or Sunday from 2 to 4. Well, I would do 12 to 2 and then 2.30 to 4.30 Saturday, 12 to 2, and then 2.30 to 4.30 Sunday. I thought, okay, if they're doing one, I'm going to do four and I'm going to pick up more clients. This works, by the way. It's just numbers. I can remember being so enthusiastic talking to a realtor. He said, I put out four or five signs. Some people only put two out. I remember piling 12 signs in a van once, putting them out everywhere for an open house with great enthusiasm on a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever it was. And then on Monday, I remember the Ontario Provincial Police knocking at my office door with the broker record saying, are you Dan Plowman? I thought I was being arrested. And they said, Mr. Mr. Plowman, you're not allowed to put your open house signs down the 401 ramps on the highway. <laughs> so you see, this is the kind of stuff that was in me. I just, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do better. I wanted to do bigger. And it did pay me. It paid off. I got through the business. I made it through in the tough times. So here's something kind of really interesting, Dan, is you mentioned open houses. Like I know some really successful realtors that have teams and they love open houses because it's free client acquisition. So in your business, it's not terribly complicated. There's basic things you need to do, but people fail to do those basic things consistently. So how do you instill it in the people that you lead that, you know, hey, do open houses, do prospecting, uh, look after your customers. Because oftentimes it's like, you know, hey, I'm making money, I'm doing well, I don't have to do that. How do you instill that, you know, this is the way you become a leader in this industry? Well, I, I think that a lot of the problem isn't the basics and understanding to an open house, make your calls. To, I, could, I could name off five basic principles right now of which you could make money if you did. I think there are five finite details within each of those that allow those to be successful that people miss. For example, yes. do, do an open house. Well, if you do an open house and you let people walk through and leave, you might as well stay home, in my opinion, because the consumer today, they're, they're savvy. They understand this is my right. I'm going through the open house. Thank you. Goodbye. So you've got to interrupt the habits so that you can attain one thing, which is a connection. And that's all we're trying to do with people is connect with them and talk with them. And I, I mean, for my my partners on my team, for example, I believe it's important to, you know, have a little swag bags. And, you know, even if they're just 
rolled up coloring things with crayons in them with with tissue paper out of them and have a little bag with your logo on it. We're talking four bucks a bag here. Put, you know, 30 of them on the table. You'll probably only go through 10 in the day or 15. And it's not a lot of money. But the difference is somebody goes through the open house and sees you giving somebody something as they leave. They're going to connect with you and give you the right to ask them a few questions. You've interrupted nice. their natural habits, which is thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Um, are you, are you thinking about a move? No, we're just looking. Thank you. Goodbye. I mean, I, I can, I can only say this from experience. It's funny when I walk into a shoe store and, uh, you know, the, the, I can I help you. I'm just looking. Okay. Well, I don't just walk into shoe stores to look, I walk into shoe stores to buy shoes, but that's just me. And you you think they'd pick up on that by now? And and the real the real good salespeople today are not salesy. They're, they're yes. just trying. They're just trying to connect. That's it. You see, sales are a natural byproduct of people connecting. And and that I think is the detail we forget in all of these things, these tasks. Make your calls. Do this. Do that. If people are making calls trying to list homes. You shouldn't make calls trying to list homes. You should make calls just try to connect with people that give you the right to call them back with some information about their neighborhood. That's it. That's it. The deals will come naturally if you if you have something that people realize you're not trying to push on them and you're offering them something of value. And I think that we as as salespeople have been deemed and pegged with a title that should be consultant, not salesperson. And it goes back to uh, the very first thing that you said when we started this interview. When you let go of ego and you realized it was about connection and other people, it changed your relationship with the industry, it changed your wealth. And we're talking about that now in those five steps. Don't forget connection is the most important element in each one of those. You know, I, I'm so happy that you see that and you know that, and it took me a long time to realize that. I'm grateful early in my career, I realized that uh, early in my life. I mean, that applies to my relationship with my kids, my wife, with everything. It's such a big point. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that last part too, because oftentimes we just take it for granted. Oh, my wife knows. No. When I give advice to people that are about to be married, this is my advice to them. Don't do it. No, other than that, the advice, the advice is this. The advice is, it is not your job to love your wife. It's your job to make her feel loved and vice versa, which is a totally different thing. Yeah, that's a really great line. Men are from Venus, women are from Mars, or men are from Mars, women are from yeah. Venus. That book comes to mind as you said that. And we, we often don't see it through the eyes or through the other lens. Well said. So, Dan, before we part company, I've got three questions for you. Yes, Number please. one, what are the two biggest challenges you're facing right now in your business? So I think the biggest challenge for me, uh, being a team leader and someone who runs a, a training and coaching company, because ultimately what Dan Plowman Realty does, we, we sell a home each and every day. I sell a home each and every day. And I've, I've done this in a way, leveraging people, technology, and marketing that has allowed me to have the coaching training company so I can give other realtors the same systems I run turnkey that are relevant today, nice. by the way. So I think the biggest challenge for me is between, you know, my, my, my kids, my wife is, uh, staying control in control of my time in a way that, uh, serves, serves me, serves my family because business should not be first. Business should be a tool that allows us to have a life. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> and I think it's it, for a lot of the years, first 10 years of my life, for sure, it was the other way around. Or t- first 10 years in this business was the other way around. And I got caught on that hamster wheel and I, it took a long time to get off that hamster wheel. And I'm not saying that it doesn't need to turn to make money. I'm just saying you don't need to be on it for it to make money. You can leverage things. And, and that's why, I, again, another reason I believe this is the best business in the world. So the biggest challenge for me is, is, is constantly checking to make sure uh, that I'm doing the right things. And I, my morning meditation and my morning time, my routine, if you will, keeps me on track in that. So I'm not sure if that's the biggest challenge for me anymore, but it's definitely something I'm constantly checking. From a business perspective, I think the biggest challenge is to ensure that the training and the culture that we maintain here as a team, as a group, uh, is constantly in a great space. We went through some big changes uh, about two years ago, and it meant moving some people out of, of the, the business, the building, the team. And it was tough because some of these people have been with me a long time. Um, but it was the right move because we had grown in other areas and most other people had grown. And as a result, we needed to, to part ways, which is fine. It is what it is. And that was difficult for me from a loyalty standpoint, from, I don't know, call it what you want, just the, the norm. But I realize now, looking back, how that served us so well, seeing how we're growing now. I guess the biggest challenge, if I were to bring it down and, and to a little bit, would be, you know, the, the inventory issue in our industry is a challenge for everyone. Very low, um, yeah. I don't think it's as much for the bigger teams because of the branding they have in the community. People do call us to list their homes. The individual agents, I think, are feeling that pitch more than anyone. But I, I guess uh, from a challenge standpoint, I, I can... I could honestly say I'm having a hard time answering that. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> and I think the number one thing you articulated, which is things are going really well, but I'm being diligent to make sure they stay well, that I focus on that leadership oh, yeah. component. Because a lot of times we take that for granted. We got that covered and great leaders have their finger on their pulse always because you get clues before things go off tracks. And most people only figure it out after things have derailed. And what you're saying is, before it gets to that, I figure it out. Well said. And I don't want to run in a reactive manner anymore. Well said. Brilliant. Last question, uh, Dan. What's a book you'd recommend that uh, people read? Well, I I have uh, run... uh team summits annually for the training and coaching company for the past 12, 13 years. And I've been extremely fortunate to have recruited, um, you know, people like David Chilton, the wealthy barber and Pinball Clemens and some pretty big names on our stage that have spoke as keynote speakers. One of my favorites, Robin Sharma, who wrote uh, oh, yeah. many New York, New York times bestsellers, actually a local boy from Markham, but, uh, uh, I think the 5 a.m. club is probably resonating the most in my mind right now, simply because I read it recently. Um, I've been told by a couple of people, oddly enough, uh, in the last week, the next book I should read, and I'm already into another one, will be uh, Will from Will, will Smith's book. And I haven't read it yet. Yes. I hear it's amazing. It is. I'm actually listening to it on Audible right now. Apparently, it's incredible. So I'm going to go with Robin Sharma's 5 a.m. club. I loved his monk who sold his Ferrari uh, from a humility standpoint. Uh, but the 5 a.m. club uh, reminded me of principles 
to take care of myself in the morning uh, to ensure that I'm in the right space because that's that's what launches your day. And I believe that every day is going to happen anyway. So why not take care of yourself, launch the best day you can possibly have because that's how you're going to have the best life and the best impact on others. So the book had huge impact on me and helped me sharpen my toolbox with regards to my routine in the morning. Great read. Well done. Uh, hats off, Robin Sharma, 5 a.m. Club to answer your question brilliant. And I read it too. Loved it. Dan, thanks so much for being on the show. And we're definitely going to have you back on. This was a delightful, hard to believe it was 27 minutes. It went by. Wow. That. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Love chatting with you. Thank you. Cheers. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results.